and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and some of the other platforms that we broadcast on here at Sunshine USA. Uh, this is me, Warren Landis, and I'm your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And uh, it's just a great joy to have each and every one of you listening to the program uh, today. Uh, today we're going to be in Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Now, in the last broadcast, we see where um, Peter was preaching in the home of Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. In fact, to make it a little bit more interesting, he was an Italian. He was a Roman. And the Roman army was actually occupying the nation of Israel at this time. Uh, they were considered an enemy nation. And so there's lots of reasons why the Jews would have been very uncomfortable being in the home of Cornelius. Not only was he a Gentile, but he was a Roman. He was considered the enemy. And they didn't trust him any more than you could throw a stone. They, they simply did not trust him. But anyway, uh, Peter is preaching in the home of Cornelius. And I think as I pointed out on the last broadcast, this was the very first sermon that Peter would preach exclusively to the Gentiles. And, and really, to be honest with you, it was one of very few messages that he brought to the Gentiles. As, as we're going to see in today's lesson, it was very clear that Peter did not find himself very comfortable teaching uh, to the Gentiles. He was much more comfortable with uh, Jews around him and ministering to Jews. Uh, he was clearly not in his comfort zone, we would say today. But nonetheless, he, he did share with them the gospel and if you have a Schofield Study Bible, which I do, and, and by the way, if you don't have a Schofield Study Bible, it's one of those Bibles I would recommend that you get because Schofield, actually all throughout the Bible, Old and New Testament, Schofield has some excellent study notes. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying you're going to agree with everything that Schofield says, but he's a very good Bible commentator. commentator. And one of the things that Schofield says in regard to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. So you might want to quickly turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, verse 44. I'm going to give you a minute or two to find it. You know, sometimes we preachers, we're guilty of telling people to quickly turn to this verse, and then all of a sudden we start reading and commentating, and people are still looking for the verse. But it's uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 44. And here we read, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. <laughs> now, uh, this was very different from what people were used to. Back in that day, people were used to just the Jews hearing the word of God and the Holy Spirit being poured out just among the Jews. Now, in Acts chapter 2, for example, we see that the Holy Spirit was poured out on those present, 
But the people present in Acts chapter 2 are not Gentiles. They are Jews. And the Holy Spirit is poured upon them. But here we have the Holy Spirit being poured out on the Gentiles. Now, this is a big change from what people were used to. Now, you know, I'm almost 69 years old. I'll be 69 years old next month. So I've been around the block a time or two. Amen. <laughs> Some of you might look at me if you saw a picture of me. You say, Warren, you look like you've been around the block more than a time or two. Well, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> but I've been around the block long enough to realize that people do not readily accept change. People do not welcome change for the most part. They're very reluctant to embrace it. Now, I, I find myself a little bit different from some people. Uh, for example, uh, we have a lot of things in the world today that I did not know anything about when I was younger. For example, when I was in high school, we didn't know what Facebook was. We didn't know what cell phones were or smartphones. We didn't know anything about the Internet. And yet, these are things that I use every day to preach the gospel. <laughs> I use my cell phone. I use the Internet to preach the gospel. I use the Internet to carry the gospel to places I could never go in person. I've shared the story many times about how when I was in high school, uh, I was a new Christian and I felt like, you know, God was calling me to be a missionary to Africa. And I applied to the foreign mission board and they said, nope, you can't go because we don't think, frankly, your health is good enough for you to go to Africa to be a missionary. Well, I don't mind telling you, I was crushed. I was so disappointed. Because, you see, I was just so convinced that God wanted me to bring the gospel to Africa. Or at least be among those that would bring the gospel to Africa. Well, I was looking yesterday at the stats for this particular broadcast, Sunshine USA. And I was amazed to see how many listeners we have in Africa. So you see, I'm able to do what the Lord called me to do. I'm able to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to Africa, even though I've never been to Africa in person. And at least as far as I can tell, I'll never go to Africa. Now, I say that very carefully because, I mean... If God truly wanted me to physically go to Africa, he would make a way for that to be possible. So far, that hasn't happened. But I thank God that through this internet ministry called Sunshine USA, I'm able to preach the gospel to people in Africa. I'm able to carry the gospel to other countries as well, other continents, Asia, South America, Europe. Russia. The only continent that I'm not sure if I'm reaching is Antarctica. And I haven't heard anything from penguins there in Antarctica. <laughs> I am told that we do have scientists who live a good part of the year in Antarctica, and they have corresponded with me. And because a lot of science is done on the Internet, I would assume 
that in Antarctica they have internet access, which means, of course, they could tune in to Sunshine USA if they knew about it and wanted to. Amen. But this is truly a worldwide ministry. And I thank God for that. But I've also been around the block to know that change comes. I mean, I know, for example, in worship services today, we don't worship God the same way today that people did back in the 1960s. I, I was looking the other day at a picture of a church service in the 1960s. And all the men in the church, they had on coats and ties and three-piece suits and fancy shoes. and That's just how people dressed in those days. And the women wore the, you know, the fancy dresses and a lot of them wore hats and stuff like that. But you look at the average worship service today. People don't dress like that anymore. I saw uh, <laughs> a picture, you know, people talk about global warming and I have my own opinions about global warming and I'm not going to take radio time to talk about that, but... but I saw a picture the other day of a tent meeting they were having, I think back in the 1930s. It was a tent meeting. It was 95 degrees under a hot blazing sunshine. Of course, they were under a tent, so I guess that helped a little bit. But here in the hot blazing sunshine, 95 degree heat, you had men sitting in the tent dressed in coats and ties and women wearing all these fancy dresses and hats and everything else. And like I say, people don't dress like that anymore. You you listen to the music that they have in the average church today. It's it's different from the kind of music we played back in the 1960s. I can remember when I was a young boy Going to church in the 1960s, we would walk into the church auditorium and everything would be so somber, like you were in a funeral home. And there would be a man at the organ and he would be playing all this somber music by Bach and Beethoven and others. Man, I got out of church and I thought, man, I'm getting out of this funeral home. <laughs> People just don't worship God in the same way today that they did back then. Now, that doesn't mean they were wrong then. It doesn't mean we're right now. But that's just the way things are. You know? <laughs> I, I can remember when um, churches uh, mailed out a church bulletin every week. And I can remember one of the pieces of mail I always looked forward to getting in my mailbox was a church bulletin. Most churches don't go to that expense anymore. And of course, it what is it now, 66 cents for a first-class stamp? I mean, that's pretty expensive. If you had a big church, I mean, it would be pretty costly for you to mail out a bulletin to every single church member. Now... We have something called email, and we have paper bulletins that are printed, that are given out at the start of most worship services today, 
and it saves the church a lot of money. And the thing about email, um, if something comes up at the spur of the moment, it's very easy for the pastor or somebody else on the church staff to send out an email and quickly let the membership know what's going on. In the wintertime, if you have to cancel a service because of snow and ice, you know, you could just quickly zap out an email and instantly your church membership knows, hey, we're not having services today. You know, <clears throat> things are done so much differently. Uh, it used to be churches would pay somebody to answer the telephone during the week. Now we have voicemail. So that's an expense many churches avoid now. They don't have to pay somebody to be on the church staff just to answer the phone. It can be done automatically. Amen. <clears throat> And it used to be churches would spend a lot of money buying airtime on TV stations and radio stations, and some churches still do. But on the other hand, it's not totally necessary anymore because things are done differently now. Now churches can broadcast on the Internet practically free of charge. And the quality is just as good as what they would have had on radio or television. Plus, the radio or television broadcast would have been a local broadcast. Now, using the Internet, churches can make their church services available to the entire planet Earth. Amen. So change comes whether we're ready for it or not, whether we're willing to accept it or not. And change was coming even to that first century church. Let's see what happens in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So, apparently this meeting that Peter had in the home of Cornelius, people were finding out about it. And people were not necessarily comfortable with what they heard about it. Well, let's read on further here. Chapter 11, verse 2. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, that's the Jews, contended or argued with him, saying in verse 3, Thou wentest into men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. Now it's just like Peter told Cornelius. He said, you know, as a Jew in good standing, I would never be caught going into the home of a Gentile. And I would certainly never be caught eating with a bunch of Gentiles. Like I did with you guys. So these people were really quite upset. Now the next verse is going to let us know that Peter apparently realized all along that what he did was controversial. 
what he did was going to cause him to receive criticism back on. Well, let's look at the next verse. Verse 4, but Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning. Notice it says here, rehearsed the matter. Now that word rehearsed caught my attention. It caught my eye. I don't know if it caught your attention or not. It caught my attention. It caught my eye. I get the impression that here you have Peter. He's traveling from the home of Cornelius back to the home church. He knows that what he did is so controversial. He knows that he's going to be facing all kinds of criticism. And so he's kind of rehearsing in his mind, how am I going to say what I'm going to say? I mean, how am I going to defend myself? How am I going to defend what I did? Now, by the way, there's a good teaching point here. I happen to know that we have a lot of young ministers who listen to this broadcast, Sunshine USA, on a regular basis. And I thank God for that. Some of you young ministerial students have contacted me and you have let me know that you consider me to be one of your mentors. And I tell you, that means more to me than words could ever say. But let me tell you something very important here. If you're willing to do what God wants you to do, and you're willing to preach the message that God gives you to preach and teach, you might as well prepare yourself for criticism because it's going to happen. Unfortunately, we have too many preachers today that want to go around, they want to be popular, they want to be well accepted, and so they want to go out of their way not to say anything controversial. And of course, to be honest with you, we have a lot of preachers today that are trying to sell books that they have wrote. And obviously, if you want to make it to the New York Times bestseller list, you had better not say anything controversial. You better be positive. You better be uh, someone who follows the line for the most part. So we have a lot of preachers today. They have written books, and they will actually preach out of the book instead of the Bible. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. God did not call me to preach out of some book that I've wrote. He's called me to preach out of the Bible, His holy, inspired, inerrant Word of God. Amen. <laughs> so I'm going to stick to the Bible. And like I say, don't be like a lot of these young preachers preaching out of the latest book that you've wrote. Uh, I was listening this past summer, well, earlier this summer, to some of the sermons preached this year at the Southern Baptist Convention. And I can tell you right now, there were some great sermons preached this year when the Southern Baptist Convention met in New Orleans at the New Orleans Convention. I heard some wonderful sermons. And man, I thank God for those sermons I heard. <laughs> this one preacher, I forget his name, but he says, I come to you, and I haven't written any great books, 
And I don't have a radio show or a TV show, so I guess I'm not much of a preacher. But he says, here's what God has given me to give to you. In a way, it was so refreshing to hear from a preacher that wanted to focus on the Word of God and not simply try to sell a book. To me, that was just so refreshing, so encouraging to hear a preacher like that. And so we find that Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them saying. Now in verses 5 through 17, in chapter 11, verses 5 through 17, I'm not going to take time to read these verses on the air for the most part, but I am going to comment in general on what they have to say. Peter makes it a point to explain point by point, verse by verse, what God told him to do, and he did it. He puts up quite a defense. Now, one of the things that you sort of get when Peter puts up this defense is the fact Peter was clearly not comfortable preaching to the Gentiles. Now we know, those of us that study our Bibles, we know that ultimately Paul would become the, gen the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul would become the apostle to the Gentiles. Paul was much more comfortable ministering to them than he was to the Jews. And I think this shows the wisdom of God because God knew that the Jews were not going to be very receptive to anything Paul had to say. Because you see, the Jews felt that Paul was simply trying to infiltrate the church, find out who the Christians were and where they were, so he could get warrants for their arrests and take them away to prison and ultimately execute them. The Jews didn't trust Paul any more than you could throw a stone. They just didn't trust him. They never really accepted his ministry. And really, any time that Paul, for the rest of his life, would teach in the synagogues, he spent a lot of time defending his, uh, his apostleship, defending his call to the ministry. Because really, until his dying days, you still had many Jews who felt like, man, any day now, Paul's going to lower the boom on us He's going to put us in handcuffs and he's going to drag us off to prison. That's the way they felt. And God, in his infinite wisdom, knew the Jews would never fully receive or forgive Paul for what he did earlier in his life. Now, once again, there's a teachable point here. God is a loving God. He is a forgiving God. And I have no problem believing that God forgave Paul for all those years that he had Christians put into prison and killing them. But you know, human nature being what it is, the Jews never really forgave Paul for that. And they never fully trusted Paul after that. Sometimes, even though God has forgiven us, we have to live with the consequences years later. I mean, that, that's true. 
Uh, in many ways, I find myself living with the consequences of bad choices as far as my diet is concerned. I know that I've got to work harder trying to maintain a good diet. And uh, it's not easy. I mean, when you have been eating bad choices all of your life up to this point, I mean, in this year, I mean, this year I would say for five or six decades, now I've been eating a lot of the wrong things. And a lot of the health issues that I have now are an offshoot of bad choices as far as eating and diet is concerned. <laughs> um, I have some friends who have a very different diet than what I have. I have friends that are basically vegetarians. Uh, I've never had a lot of aspiration to be a vegetarian, even though if I had been a vegetarian all my life, I would probably be in much better health than I am now. And so I've started listening to them. And I have already started eating less meat than what I used to. Now, if you were to follow me to the grocery store, you would see that I still buy some meat, and that's true. And I probably still eat more meat than a lot of you. That's true. But I also know this is something I've got to gradually weed myself away from. But even if I became a vegetarian today, even if I became a vegetarian today and said, okay, from this day forward, I'm not going to eat any more meat. Well, I know a lot of animals on this planet would be rejoicing. There's all kinds of fish and cows and bulls and chickens that I guess would be rejoicing. <laughs> they would be spared their life, but... Uh, but even if I became a vegetarian today, I mean, that doesn't take away from the fact that for five or six decades now, I've been eating the wrong stuff. And in fact, way too much of the wrong stuff. And I'm paying a price for that now. Some of the damage that those eating choices have made in my life, some of that damage is irreversible. I have to live for the rest of my life with the results of bad eating decisions that I've made earlier in my life. Paul found the same thing to be true. And Paul found that um, <laughs> he found that because of what he did when he was younger, and he did it out of ignorance by his own admission, I mean, Paul didn't do what he did when he had Christians thrown into prison and put to death. Paul didn't consider himself an enemy of God. He considered himself to be a friend of God. He says, God, I'm getting rid of these people that don't believe the way that the law of Moses teaches. I'm getting rid of them. He thought he was doing the work of God, even though he wasn't. 
But he also learned that even though God forgave him, when God saved him there on the road to Damascus, even though Paul was saved and God had granted him complete full forgiveness for what he did, <laughs> let me tell you something, folks. Paul never was able to live down the things that he did earlier in his life and ministry. But in a way that was good because that clearly put Paul in a good position to be what he was, and that was an apostle to the Gentiles. Amen. Now let's look at verse 18. And when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God said to the Gentiles, granted repentance unto life. In other words, uh, the people were rejoicing because of what God was doing among the Gentiles. So apparently Peter finally succeeded and getting him to, them to see what he wanted them to see. And they started rejoicing. <laughs> now, you know, I've, and this is another lesson I've learned in life. There are some great Christians out there who may not believe exactly as you believe. There may not, there might be some Christians out there, they don't believe exactly everything I believe. But I'm happy to report to you, you don't have to believe everything I believe in order to go to heaven. I don't have to believe everything you believe in order to go to heaven. Other people don't have to believe what you believe in order to go to heaven. There are some great Christians out there who simply have Differences of opinions on different things. For example, uh, I have several friends that are Calvinists. And some of my friends are what you call five-point Calvinists. They are what you call tulip <laughs> Calvinists. If you were to write out the acronym tulip, each letter tells you something distinctive about Calvinists. I have friends of mine who are Calvinists. And I have Calvinist friends that are evangelistic and Calvinist friends that are not very evangelistic. And obviously they have beliefs very different from my own. But I told a friend of mine, I said, you know, when we get to heaven, the interesting thing is going to be you're going to believe that you're in heaven because it was preordained from the beginning that you were going to be in heaven. And I'm going to be in heaven because I chose to go to heaven. But ultimately, we both end up in heaven, even though we went through this life believing very different things. I correspond to this day with some of the former college and seminary professors that I used to have. And I can tell you then as now, I don't believe everything they believe. 
They don't believe everything I believe. But you know what? We're great friends. We have good fellowship with each other. One of the signs of Christian maturity, as I see it, is that you learn how you learn how to get along with people and have fellowship with people, even though you may not see eye to eye on everything they believe. And they may not see eye to eye on everything you believe. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're at a good stopping point here. So we'll stop here and we'll pick up on the next broadcast where we left off today. And so I'm hopeful that you will um, go ahead and finish reading Acts chapter 11. And I would even suggest go ahead and start reading Acts chapter 12. Because we may very well get into that in the next broadcast. Now, by the way, if you have a Bible study question or if you have a prayer request, I would love to hear from you. I have two email addresses, and that is the best way to contact me. Uh, one of my email addresses is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. And I've also got a snail mail address. Those of you that want to contact me, the old-fashioned, old-school way, you can do that. My snail mail address is Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And like I say, I would just love to hear from you. <laughs> I can assure you, you're not going to be hearing from another staff member, you will hear from me. You know why? Because I'm the only staff member here at Sunshine USA. Seriously, I'm the only staff member. And guess what? I don't get a paycheck. <laughs> I do it totally free gratis because I love God and I love you. Amen. Well, that's uh, basically going to bring us to an end to the program today. I don't know about you. I've had a ball on the program today. I always enjoy uh, teaching the Bible on the Internet. Every day when I sit down in front of this microphone, man, I just get so excited. Sometimes I go to bed at night and I say, man, I can't wait for tomorrow morning, and I turn on that radio mic, and I start preaching again. Man, I just I look forward to it. I truly say it's the best part of my day. Now, most of these broadcasts that you listen to, I'm actually recording these broadcasts in the morning. I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, my voice is stronger in the morning. And number two, I find that I generally feel better in the morning than I do the rest of the day. You might say, when I get up in the morning, that's as good as I'm going to feel all day. And I start going downhill the rest of the day. So when I have something to do, like preaching the gospel and teaching the Bible on the Internet, I feel like the earlier in the day I can do that, uh, the better off I am. Now, uh, <laughs> I don't do it too early. For example, I don't record these broadcasts at 3 o'clock in the morning because I've got neighbors that probably wouldn't like to hear that. <laughs> so I don't 
I, I think I can say I almost never record earlier than 8 o'clock in the morning. And usually I start no later than 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning. But it is indeed and in fact the high point of my day. And I just thoroughly enjoy it. And I hope that you enjoy it as well. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying God, God bless you. You have a great day, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.